welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dream Imagine Sports Studios. It is 8 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 5 a.m. super early morning wake-up call. And it's 7 a.m. at U.S. Soccer House, where I'm sure the, the employees of Soccer House are hoping things calm down soon. I, on the other hand, hope this thing keeps raging ahead because we are still not anywhere near getting to a place where things have been cleaned up. But last night, a very big piece in this process uh, fell, and that was Carlos Cordero offering his resignation effective immediately. And I uh, wanted to bring on Chris Kessel, a friend of mine and friend of the show, to uh, to talk a little bit about his thoughts of what he saw over the last few days and, uh, and kind of discuss where we're at at the moment. Because I, uh, Chris, am just looking at where we are, and I'm not convinced this is over. I, I, I'm right there with you. I am absolutely right there with you. Um, when, when I look at, uh, what's happened this week, um, you know, these court filings, uh, this was a legal strategy. Uh, the, the board had been briefed on, you know, progress with the court cases, uh, for a while. You and I sat in, uh, the, the board meeting in Nashville at the U S soccer AGM. And even in the, the portion of the board meeting that was open to the public, uh, which is a, another conversation for another day and probably warrants a policy or, or bylaw uh, proposal to address, um, you know, the fact that these different meetings keep happening in in executive session, even at the AGMs, which is what is the point of a of an AGM if, if you can't actually go into any of the meetings. Um, but. But to stay on topic here, you and I sat in the board meeting uh, that was available to observe uh, by any of the attendees of the AGM. And even in there, Lydia Watke, chief uh, legal officer for the Federation, was giving updates on different uh, legal cases and different things that they were looking at. And it was apparent this was all a dog and pony show that this this kind of uh, activity happened, you know, ongoing and, and and frequently with board calls as well as board meetings that were often taking place in executive session. Um, I find it very troubling and very uh, difficult to believe these board members who have spoken up saying they had absolutely no idea um, you know, what was taking place from a, a legal tactics and legal strategy standpoint. And, um, you know, wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what you observed at the board meeting at the AGM uh, and, and how that, you know, stacks up for you and uh, what we've seen over these last few days. Well, I mean, let's just go ahead and say that some of the information about how they were going to proceed forward has been out in the public. I mean, there have been people talking about it and, you know, articles written about it for months now. I mean, this isn't the first, like the the legal briefs from the most recent ones aren't the first time that we've seen this. So if there's no way 
that you're just now hearing about it. If, if you're just now hearing about it, you're not following along. I mean, it, I mean, it's that simple. You aren't following that closely along. And, but that's neither here nor there because I find it insulting that Don Garber could sit there and say this is the first he's heard of it when you represent the media. You're the partner of Sox United Marketing who works the, as the media partner, the media rights partner for the U.S. Women's National Team. And you and your company wouldn't ask for updates and to stay abreast of exactly how a lawsuit with your partner, with the U.S. Women's National Team, you wouldn't want to stay totally up to date to know how that lawsuit was going when the U.S. Women's National Team is such a big piece of your media rights portfolio. Like, you are... You're trying to tell me that you just said, oh, well, you know, we'll let some third-party law firm who is known as a union-busting law firm that lawyers study their cases and have been studying their cases for decades on how they bust unions. You're going to tell me and you're going to expect me to believe and take it at face value that you had no idea, no idea what was going on. I, I, I'm not... <laughs> Look, I was born at night. I wasn't born last night. I mean, it's that simple. Fair point. And, and, and to that point, Chris, um, the the legal strategy, legal tactics, like, you know, Meg Linehan has been on this for a while, like just digging yeah. into detail after detail after detail. Um, th- this, this, you know, public shock display of some of the, the athlete council, but, but really, especially the board members, um, you know, to me is a little disingenuous. No, because we know that this has been in public record. And, 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 and this leads me to my next point about this, this topic as a board member, your your primary fiduciary duty like if you could you know if you could look at okay what what is the primary role and responsibility of a chief executive officer a, a CFO a COO you could go through and you can define you know what are those positions what what is that job description if if you look at what is the job description of a board member it is simply this to be a guardrail for a, an organization or a business your job is to provide oversight that is the very definition of what it means to be a board member so for you to get up knowing this stuff is already in public record and to all of a sudden over the last few days there's a a a media hysteria that builds public pressure and 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 we'll get back to that point in just a minute because i think it's a very key point to something you and i've been talking about in terms of general reform within u.s soccer for quite a while um but but to stay on this point for a second 
you are a you are a member of the board. You have had access to this information. It is in the public domain for quite a while. To sit here and act that like you had no idea that any of this was taking place is is so disingenuous. And that includes Carlos Cordero, who continues to act like he had no idea. So this is not this is not to to sit here and paint Carlos as a victim and that he would you know he he's been scapegoated and he's the only only one at fault here he he is just one of the members of the board they're all at fault you've made the perfect point they all they all should have been following along if you did know is that as bad as you knew and didn't do anything no but it's still still bad i didn't know you're supposed to know it's your job it's your job like, I can't say that enough. If if you were on, you sat there and you said, hey, we're going to spend a million dollars on outside counsel this year. We're going to up spending as a as an organization, what, 10% this year. And it's going to all be to this law firm over this one case. $8 million. And you're not going to go, so how are we going to, like, what's our strategy here? Like, and you didn't ask that? $8 million. What could we have done with $8 million? And you didn't ask. Pay Don Garber another bonus. Oh, sorry. Was that not on your top of your list? No, that's literally, like, pretty far down. Probably at least, like, number three. Like, you know. (laughs) It's... And you didn't ask, how are we going to do this? Can we actually even win? Like, wouldn't it just be easier to give the women $8 million to just be done with it? Like, you know, like, you didn't ask the question of how are we going to proceed? How are we going to win? What's our strategy? Your job is oversight. Your job is strategy. Your job is figuring out what the Federation is going to do. Like, yes, Carlos Cordero is the president of U.S. soccer. He's the president of the board. He doesn't have unilateral power to sign off and make things happen on his own. He doesn't have it. Every, you know, I'm sure lots and lots of your listeners are on boards of nonprofits. That's not how it works. You know, I'm on the board of a couple nonprofits. I can't, I'm the president of two of them. I can't just show up and say, hey, we're doing this today. That's not, like, I can't do it. Well, well not only, yeah, to, to your point, and, and not only that, what what is disturbing is this kind of, you know, um, stance that's been taken where you know i i didn't know i had no idea as if as if that is a valid excuse um and and it 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 you know it leads me to this which is to me a little disturbing um you you had uh you know cindy Cohn running for vice president um in, in this AGM just a few weeks ago uh, against John Mata uh she ran unopposed uh for the special term uh to fill Carlos's uh, vacant seat at the previous AGM um and right, at this right. at this AGM leading up to the AGM she she released a statement that was you know bunch of typos uh there were you know 
some because of the typos there were some st- things that just didn't make sense um but it but it certainly you know was a, a poorly written uh letter that was released to the public um you know you you, you can't take the time to to sit there and proofread a letter um you know th- this this starts to follow a pattern of what we're seeing then um you know i i don't even know if you're aware of this but um i had to leave the agm i i had actually uh was in the u.s open cup meeting that you were in and had to leave to go to the airport to uh to fly to europe to uh to cover the Loria sports awards and i had to leave um the the u.s soccer agm that saturday around three o'clock and uh, went directly to the airport. And as I am waiting for my flight, somewhere around 3.30, 3.45, uh, no later than 4, uh, here comes Cindy Cohn uh, leaving the AGM, not even sticking around to finish out the festivities of the AGM. Uh, the newly elected uh, vice president to a full four-year term uh, is not even sticking around to finish out the weekend's events uh, for the very uh, federation that she has now been elected to serve as vice president. She's ducking out early. Um, you know, it's it's one weekend a year, this AGM, and, and I get it. There's other things going on in life, what have you, but, um, you know, I, I, I just have a hard time looking at just some of these things as a pattern to go, you know, if you didn't know, did you really care to know? Did you, are, are you really in this to know? Because, you know, you're leaving early the AGM, you release statements that have tons of typos and never even got corrected uh there was there was never a oh my bad um l- let me fix that and, and resubmit um it, it just was left and 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 left undone um and then you know we see some of these other statements from athlete council and board members acting as as though they're they're in shock of of a legal strategy or legal tactics or wording etc and again i go back to this um, that is your one job is to know and hold accountable and keep the Federation uh, on mission. And, and if uh, you were aware and didn't say anything at the time, then that's still a failure on your part as a leader because, um, you know, leadership means that you have to speak up in difficult times. You know what I'm saying? The word you're looking for here is accountability. Nobody, look, the first person, how about this? The first person to have even a small smidgen of accountability about all of this was Carlos, and he resigned. You know, and he still wasn't fully accountable, you know, but he resigned. And he's the president of the board or he was the president of the board. No, everybody else, you know, like, it's, it's when your kids are little and they do something wrong and they break something and you're not in the room and they're the only person in the room, They kind of, you go in there and you go, Look, who broke the lamp? Not me. You know, that's what all this is like. Who was supposed to be over, who was supposed to be oversleeping? Not me. It was sure wasn't me. I didn't know anything about this. Well, if you didn't know anything about it, it was your job. Like, 
there are other board members who absolutely need to step down. And there are other board members, all the other board members, and I've been, you know, saying this on social media now for months and months. We need to know who decided that we were going to proceed forward with this strategy on not just this, on everything, and why. We need to know, I mean, think about it. Months and months and months ago, the, the Federation hired lobbyists to lobby against the U.S. Women's National Team. We spent money to hire lobbyists. Who decided to do that? There's no way that Carlos Cordero made a decision on his own to hire lobbyists to lobby against the U.S. Women's National Team to politicians and spent money unilaterally. That's not how it works. He can't do that. The board was aware. Who said yes? Who said no? What was the discussion? It was an executive session, so we aren't, you know, I got my hair close up. We aren't allowed to know, you know. We can know. You can tell us. Somebody can leak it. Something can happen. You know, that discussion needs to be out in the open. Who did that and why? The training compensation and solidarity payments that we argued against. Who decided that was going to be the direction we were going to go? The Federation could have stood on either side of that issue. Who decided we were going to go in that direction? The Court of Arbitration of Sport um, case with Miami FC and Stockade FC. Who on the board decided that we were going to side, you know, with on which side of it? If if, if they would have went to that, if they would have went to the CAS and said, "Hey, we think that this does apply to us," you should put that, you know, and. You know, we were told that it didn't, so we didn't enforce it, but we actually think it does. They could have said that. The board had to decide that. Who was on which side? You were there. Lydia Walkie said we should celebrate this win. That means that it was a they, – they were on the side that won, and we're excited about it. The board decided that. Who came down on that side of that decision? Who didn't? Why? We need to know. I agree. I agree. Two of the three things so far have been decided. Like, what was discussed in executive session isn't privy to an ongoing lawsuit anymore. We, it, it, it can be discussed. It can be released. That information can be released. We, we deserve to know. The, the people... Uh, that make up the organization, the members of the organization, deserve to know which board members are representing the same interests that you have. Like, it's pro that training compensation and solidarity payment case probably is very interesting to youth clubs and adult clubs that have youth components nationally. They probably are very interested in knowing who was on their side and who was it? That information needs to be out there. Like, and now we have this. Yet another thing 
giant, you know, big picture path forward item. How are we proceeding with the largest lawsuit, you know, going? It it is. We don't know. Uh, yeah, that and that that's the point. There's a pattern here of of failing to do their job again i go back to the top of the show here primary job responsibility is to be a guardrail for the organization it is not a good enough excuse to say that someone else should have been managing the details that someone else should have you know been uh you know digging into the legal strategy etc that you know they're, they're board members they they provide kind of uh a, a larger kind of zoomed out view um the way that a board works in these situations they may not get into you know to specific um you know lines of argument what have you but the general uh, conversation about what is our stance how are we going to you know what is going to be our general um, position on the matter that is discussed at the board level and and so the idea that you know this had happened if this had you know what troubles me in this is that had this uh the the the, this public outcry and in in you know comments from certain board members had happened when when details first started to roll out a couple years ago um you know i would have a little bit more um you know, leniency in in the way that I view the, you know, those who have gone public in the last few days, uh, because I would say, OK, look, maybe maybe some stuff happened. They talked about the board level and then, you know, look, it does happen sometimes with boards. You know this, that, that you will have one or two or three people who who, you know, are, are, you know, more involved behind the scenes who are trying to really run things themselves, who will kind of, you know, get caught up in the minutia. This was, a, um, you know, Sunil Galati is a classic example of this. He's the he was the type of president that was very hands on, that's well documented, that he 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 essentially tried to to run the federation uh, by himself, and he ran the board in a way where the board um, was really beneath him in in the way that he tried to run things and and would just bring it to the board for approval. Uh, in the same way, the board might bring something to the general counsel for approval. Um, and so, if I was on that board and had talked about in a in a board meeting or two, like, hey, here's here's where I'm comfortable with here's what i think we should do and then i find out at at the you know the first kind of public unveiling of some of the strategy some of the different things that, that were said um that you know th- this had, had taken place and then i go public okay i can accept that something you know, something went wrong and and maybe you weren't aware of it at the time that something happened different than what you were aware of the fact that this had yeah. been ongoing for such a long time and the particular people involved including you know the likes of us women's national team players so on and so forth for you know members of the board to sit here in shock that these comments and these this legal tactic and strategy had occurred the look there's one thing we know about the US women's national team they're they're not quiet about their their fight for equality 
they're constantly talking about it and and necessarily so like this is you know part of the issue like they're they're like you're not going to shut us up you're not going to shut us down we are going to speak our minds we are going to let the world know what's really going on that this has been going on for a while so to sit here and act as though you're just now finding out in the last few days is to me really hard to believe um that you had no idea until now and again to your point and and to my point on this not knowing is not good enough so let's 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 walk let's let's take a a look at this from a, a slightly different angle also okay so the strategy has been we're going to pit the u.s women's national team versus the u.s men's national team like that's the strategy we're going to pit these two against each other. We're going to talk about we have this limited pie that, that you know, FIFA determines X amount of money and blah, blah, blah. We, the, the strategy is we're going to pit the men versus the women. That's the way they've argued the case and everything. The strategy when solving this uh, has been that because the conversation cannot be about why is the pie not bigger? Why can we not afford to pay more? Because if the conversation is about why is the pie not bigger, then the discussion has to be about where is the rest of the money? Like, if the conversation, if, if the U.S. women's national team had a $50 million uh, TV deal by itself, There'd be plenty of money to go around. But that's not, that's, that's the strat, like, that's the big overarching strategy that we're talking about here. Like, then they have to defend the Soccer United marketing deal. I mean, they would rather pit the men versus the women and do that than allow the conversation to be, why is the pie the size the pie is? I mean, I, I truly feel that. Yeah, it's a divide-and-conquer strategy for sure. Exactly. Because if, if, the, uh, if, if, if they would have came into the negotiations in good faith before and said, we're going to make the pie bigger, and this is how we're going to do it, this lawsuit probably doesn't exist. But to keep the status quo of how media rights are done, how the, the, uh, the teams are marketed, you know, all of the things. All of the things that, that would make the, the available pool of money larger or potentially make it larger. Like, none of that's going to be done if we keep the status quo. Excuse me. And I think that's a piece of it. And that's the kind of strategy. And, you know, did I really believe that Carlos Cordero was actually going to, to, to detach the national teams and put those media rights up for bid without them going, you know, to see if Soccer United Marketing offered the most money for them or a different company offered the most money. He ran on that platform. And you know where he isn't now? In charge, as we're 18 months away from, or 20, 
I guess about 20 some months away from the media rights coming up for this again. I mean, and I know that Don Garber, who earlier I said, I don't believe didn't know what was going on. So is calling for his resignation. Yeah. So let's get to that point. Right. So the culture of the board now to that, let's, let's rewind for a moment. Um, I, I released, a. um, a blog post yesterday uh, with some comments about 2018 and building into this U S women's national team case. Um, going back to 2018, Carlos Cordero ran on a platform that he was, a he, he was an outside candidate that he was an independent director and he had only served as vice president for two years. And a lot of the the voting members within the federation, enough of them, uh, ended up buying his his sales pitch, and uh, we we have seen in the last two years that that simply was a sales pitch. It wasn't true um, that he he was he was you know a part of the status quo. He was a part of the establishment. Uh, we saw yesterday Heather O'Reilly offer up her mea culpa that she she realizes she made a mistake in in going along with the car, back the Carlos Cordero train uh, back in 2018. Um, this is ultimately what decided the election. He won over the athlete council with this sales pitch. And when they decided to, to go with Carlos as a block, um, that gave him a firewall against Kathy Carter. And ultimately, uh, you know, Don Garber made the decision after a couple of rounds of voting to, uh, to, to ditch Kathy and, and hitch his wagon, at least temporarily for two years, to, to Carlos. But the culture of the board here that we're talking about today, um, you know, that has ultimately uh, led to an environment in the public eye, public pressure, where Carlos Cordero resigned last night. Uh, this existed before Carlos. It existed during Carlos's reign, and it is is going to continue to exist as long as uh, those involved at the board level are still there. And and some of the primary people we we need to be looking at uh, at the moment are Don Garber and Sunil Galati. Sunil was. Pr- while these legal strategies and tactics uh, were, were first uh, being considered, this is prior to um, the election. Hope Solo was already, you know, uh, pressing matters herself uh, nine months before the U.S. Women's National Team ever took action. Um, and I, I think her efforts uh, need to be um, recognized, applauded, honored, um, because, you know, she was she was even more brave than our U.S. Women's National Team, which is hard to say because uh, our U.S. Women's National Team are, are such uh, heroic figures in the in the sports world and in the world in general today um, but hope hope began this process even before they did and um, and so th- th- this culture this toxicity at the board level uh, with the culture and and uh, the conduct of the board uh, was a pre-existing culture Carlos had been vice president for two years in that culture Sunil had been at the at the helm of 
since 2006. Uh, so at this point, for 12 years, going into the 2018 election, and uh, and and during uh, Sunil's reign, Carlos was on the board as an independent director. Um, you know, so was well versed in in how things ran and what was going on and the mood in the room, etc. Um, and so you know, Don Garber was also present uh, on the board and has had a a you know looming presence over the board for quite a while. He, after all, uh, is the is the person on the board that that personally benefits more than anyone else. The guy makes multi million dollar uh, bonuses and salaries from Federation business and gets to sit on the board uh, and have influence over the board, uh, even though he he can you know make show of recusing himself when you and I are sitting behind Sunil Gulati in a, in a board meeting, the truth is, is that when you have a presence like that on the board, um, that doesn't go away. Uh, you know, you can walk out of the room, but they still have to look at you when you come back in. Um, and so to, to acknowledge and those aspects of the culture that were pre-existing, existing under Carlos. And, and to me, Carlos's biggest failure here was, um, you know, when he when he was elected, I, I said at the time, I, th- I think you said at the time and others said, look, we hope that he follows through on things. We want to believe that he's going to do the right things in certain areas. And what we simply saw over the last two years is he was not up for that job. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't make the whole mess, but he didn't clean up the mess. And, and so ultimately the pressure built and he resigned, but that should not, he should not be scapegoated over that. Um, as the sole lone wolf in this, in this situation, um, he, to me, he is just one piece uh, of an entire, uh, you know, board and boardroom long, that needs listen, to be held accountable long, for all of this. Long, long story short, long story short, other board members need to resign. This is not the win. Carlos resigning is not the win. Okay, other board members need to resign. If, if not knowing that this was going on, not being forthright that this was going on and you knew, whatever the case is, you should still resign. You allowed this to happen on your watch. It is as simple as that. We could have made this whole, we've been talking for 40 minutes now, and this is the main point of all this. Other board members need to resign over this. There is absolutely no way Don Garber needs to be on the board of U.S. soccer after this. He shouldn't have been beforehand. Yeah, because of what you just talked about. But now, just the conflict issues and everything was one thing, and and we argued that, and, and a bunch of people had argued that or whatever. This is a lack of institutional control. And you are a partner with the people, with the group, with the U.S. Women's National Team, through the business that you run, you personally are the CEO of. You are the partner, and you had such a lack of institutional control with a partner. You absolutely do not need to be on the board. You cannot be trusted to do what's best for U.S. soccer 
best for the, the U.S. women's and men's national team, you can't even keep abreast of what's going on there. If we can try, I mean, I'm trusting his words. He said he didn't know, he didn't know. Okay, fine. You still need to step down. Agreed. That's the end of the story. Like, and everybody needs to call, like, the same energy that was put into calling for Carlos to step down, the same energy needs to be put into Don Garber stepping down. Don Garber, Sunil Gulati, as well as others. And and, and this, this, this gets to this point. Sure, I'm pretty sure that Sunil Gulati is off the board. He he's he's only on the board as past president. He's no longer the past president. Well, I don't. I, I we need to check the rules on this because if a president resigns, I'm not sure that they serve as past president. Um, well, they weren't. He wasn't kicked off. Well, and and he that's something. Not. That's something we'll need to, to look into, and I'm sure we can get in to today uh, l- later after the show for verification. Um, Great fight. I'm sure you're listening. Yeah. You just go ahead and let us know later. Yeah, today. so uh, we, we, I'm sure we can reach out to members of the Federation, and, and, and we can look through the bylaws ourselves and see what we see there. Um, I thought, and this is just, this is just you know, what I thought I, I remembered about this uh, succession plan is that um, in the in the case that a, a a president or vice president doesn't fulfill their term, that they don't serve as a past president, that they just um, exit the board. So I, I may be off on that, and we'll need clarification. Uh, so we'll have to see. But I, regardless, I think uh, Sunil Gulati and and Don Garber and others. Um, you know, need to step down. And, and I think, uh, you know, looking at where we are, this brings me to my last point. Uh, this is something you and I have talked about on the show many times, the necessity of media scrutiny, media pressure. Now we could get into, you know, why this happened this week. Why, you know, what was so different about this week than when these comments have come out over the last few weeks was it orchestrated you know was was there something going on behind the scenes uh to to build a narrative to 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 basically force carlos out um and and try to cover themselves and and get him out of the way and get um you know cindy Cohn into the position um you know you and i both know that that the agm uh that that Don was backing Cindy as vice president over John Mata. Um, uh-huh. So I mean, you know, could when you look at that, and that was surprising, that was surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, and then after I mean, after the AGM, you see Alec Papadak is taken off the board and replaced by Stephen Malik. Um, who, you know, is, is, is part of the whole North Carolina FC setup where she works. Uh, and then a few weeks later, you know, here she is, she's president. Um, we have all this media pressure though. This is where I want to stay on for this last point. The necessity of media pressure. Uh, number one, we, we have proof that it works. Um, 
And yeah. and this is something that I've been uh, screaming for, calling for, hoping for. I know you have as well for a very long time that we need the media to do their job and and really cover the sport and really, you know, tackle these issues and call them for what they are and, and it, you know, increase the pressure and scrutiny on the Federation because that is uh, where we get accountability. There's a reason why our founders uh, of this country made such a big deal about freedom of the press. They knew without media scrutiny, you would have tyranny, period. And so right. in this situation, we have seen it work. Um, regardless of who stoked the fire and when, and you know some of the curious uh, details and circumstances surrounding why now and the process over the last few weeks since the AGM leading up to this week, set all of that aside. Let's just look at the media scrutiny and pressure. We've seen Carlos Cordero resign due to the media pressure. Then the sponsor pressure came. Now we're looking at the rest of the board. The media pressure, the questions being asked by Grant Wall, Taylor Twellman about what did you know? When did you know it? Why did you not know it? That pressure needs to continue to get hotter, not less. Don Garber, Cindy Cohn, uh, Chris Aarons and others who came out with statements saying we had no idea. Why didn't you know? Why hadn't you done your job? And, and, and these are fair questions. This is the very definition of your job is to know and to be a guardrail and to serve the Federation in this manner. So what did you know? When did you know it? Why didn't you do anything about it in the past? And, you know, and, and, and keep the pressure on them to answer. And ultimately, I think, as you pointed out just a moment ago, that other resignations need to follow. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen this week on the media pressure. So this is only the second time that there's been media pressure ever. After the Trinidad Tobacco loss and Sunu Gulati, you know, Effectively resigned by not running again. Right, yeah, effectively resigned by not running again. This is only the second time we've had media pressure, and both Meg Linehan led the charge this time. And she's been just excellent at this coverage, and she led the charge. And I think that this is the standard that we should keep. Like, this is the kind of level of coverage that should be brought to bear on all of these decisions. Absolutely. I understand that all of them, I understand that all of them aren't as big and sexy as a lawsuit with the U.S. Women's National Team. But, you know, and they aren't going to generate the, the public outcry. But covering these things, critically covering all of these decisions, and asking these hard questions will continue to keep pressure on people and allow and remind them that they can't hide anymore. And getting a bunch of these board members on record right now, on record of when did you know, what did you know, you know, why didn't you know, you know, because they've already put it on record now that they didn't know. Now the, the, now the question is, is, why didn't you know? Why didn't you ask questions, you know, and, and continue with that? And to get them to give you no comments or answers that, frankly, I think won't make sense 
you know, I'm too busy. I mean, what other answer can you give right now? You know, I'm too busy to, to check in on uh, the biggest lawsuit going, you know, or God, I mean, I guess the antitrust lawsuit is just as big. It's just not as sexy, you know, but you know, that, <clears throat> that's, that's where we are. Just keep the pressure up. I mean, right now, between now and the AGM in Atlanta next year, we could have a totally different board. We could have an actual plan. We and, still don't and we have, should. We don't have a strategic vision going forward. We still don't have one. The well, Federation still doesn't have a strategic plan. There is no plan to create a plan. There's nothing. The I'm, board is asleep at the wheel. Obviously. Yeah, if I, you take them at their word, they are asleep at the wheel. They need to resign. I, I agree. I agree completely with your sentiments. Um, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, I, I, I do with every person um, in a job like Cindy Cohn, you know, is, is acting president. She's not president. She just serves as president until the next AGM. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean she has to run for the position next year. Um She's, you know, she's serving as the interim. It's not a de facto that she will be the president going forward beyond 2021. Um, but regardless, she she's in that role, at least on an interim basis, which, you know, can be a little uh, tricky in terms of like, I'm not fully president uh, officially, even though I'm serving in that role, what can I do? What can I really push forward for? This is to me where leaders have to lead. And I, I, I give her the same opportunity as Carlos. Look, I don't necessarily agree with, with how Carlos got there and that he was the right candidate for the job. I also have a hard time looking at Cindy Cohn, who had been on the board for years before uh, becoming vice president um and 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 coming out with her you know um statement about how she had no idea to me that is inexcusable chris aarons that's inexcusable don garber that's inexcusable um and it to me it's indefensible uh however um you're in this position you can either follow suit like carlos and say look i should have done more and someone else needs to take these reins uh, I did not do good enough. I would totally be fine with with any and every board member saying that statement. Uh, and I think the media pressure needs to continue to rise on uh, those, especially Don Garber and Sunil, but others who, who could have done more. And so I, I would be completely fine with that. If you're going to say, no, I want to stay and fight on and I want to try to fix this, then I my response to you is is the same thing that I would have uh, that I did have with Carlos, which is okay. You're in the position. Now, what do you do? This is your time for redemption. You didn't get it right before you messed up plain and simple. You didn't do your job as a board member. Now you're in this position. What are you going to do? The ball is in your court, you know, to use that expression. Um, where where is the public plan and the vision now i'm not expecting her to roll that out today less than 24 hours after carlos's resignation but the point is over the next few weeks and months if you're not going to resign then show us what you plan to do show us how you plan to lead 
show us how what you're going to do is any different than what was being done before. Um, and the best thing that the best thing that she can do is to start to change the culture of hiding everything. Right. Be forthright. Put it out in the open. You know, instead of taking everything to executive session, leave some of it in the public record. Err on the side of transparency. Unless it absolutely has to be an executive session, leave it out for the public to know. Err. Err on the side of transparency. I, I agree. You transparency, uh, a, a vision, um, you know, communication, like all of these things are the areas where we need to see from her if she's going to stay in this position. She's been thrust into it. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give her, uh, if she, if she decides to, to not resign with other board members, uh, for, for failing to do their fiduciary duties as board members, and she wants to stay in the position, that's okay. That, you know, that's her choice, uh, unless the board votes her out. Um, however, if you're going to stay, then show us what you plan to do. We can't get any more of these half-written letters with typos. We can't, you know, have this this same kind of like I'm going to dip out of the AGM uh, in the afternoon um, and head out. I mean, it, we we've got to uh, we've got to see a, a full-on commitment to the job. And and quite frankly, a, a bigger commitment than what we've seen so far when while serving as vice president, and and that to me are those are some clear things to look for: more transparency mm-hmm. from the board, more communication to the public, changing the culture of the board and the way it's run, and a vision and plan going forward. Um, you know, Carlos never gave one he would always revert back to, well, I've got a five-year, you know, business strategy, business plan that, that that's not what we're talking about. How, how, where does the Federation go? If we're going to become, you know, like, like I've said before, I'm not a big fan of the mission statement of the Federation to make soccer the preeminent sport in America. I don't think that goes far enough, but if that is your mission, right, that's what's written. If that is your mission, okay, how do you get there at least? How do you get soccer to the preeminent sport in America? And if your vision is not written with that end in mind, then you didn't do it. You didn't do your mission because that is the mission that's laid out. So a plan should be leading us step by step to that end to make soccer the preeminent sport in America. And until we get there, then all we have to do is, is to look at where we are and realize that we're still spinning our wheels. And and that's why I think the media pressure here, back to this last point, is so crucial. Taylor Twelman, Grant Wall, Meg Linehan, uh, others, you, myself, we have to continue this media scrutiny and media pressure. And I want to make Kim this... Macaulay. Kim McCauley has been awesome also. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to... I, I, I want to say, you know, because I'm sure we're about to be done here. I want to say this last thing. Social media has been better over the last few weeks, but soccer social media has been better because of this because of the critical media coverage than ever before, than any time ever before. Because the Trinidad and Tobago thing, it literally was just, you know, it was over after a couple days. Right. This is ongoing. It has been constant. And 
I know that we talk about, like, I talk about this all the time. Soccer in the United States is so go along to get along. Nobody wants to rock the boat. It's so often cheerleading from the media that there aren't storylines and there aren't big pieces of news to cover. Or, or there are, but they're just not being covered because of fear of, like, ruining the game, okay? What we see now is when you cover these big storylines, people really, really care. And when you put it out there, it allows the people who really care to really get, they really get fired up. Cover these stories. Cover them. Trust that the trust that the people love the game. Because we do. At the end of the day, I'm a fan of soccer. I love soccer. I love playing. I love coaching. I love watching it. You know, I'm passionate about the game. You are too. You know, neither one of us are getting paid to do any of the stuff that we do around the game. There are millions of people who want to be, you know, when they talk about soccer culture in Europe and how passionate people are, it's because they're invested in it at every level. People in the United States want to be invested in the game at every level. They want to be passionate. When you cover the game the way that you've been covering the game lately, soccer media, when you cover every aspect of it, from why isn't the NWSL schedule out yet, to they did, they knew about this and they weren't talking about it at the board level, or this case is ridiculous and how they're attacking the women's death team is crazy. But when you cover all of it, the full breadth of everything, not just game recaps, not just who should be playing on the U.S. men's national team, what woman got snubbed. Like, that's not enough. That's, that's topical. When you cover everything about the game and you let people sink their teeth into it, people show you how passionate they are. Look how big of a story this is. Absolutely. Look how big all of this stuff has been. And it will continue to be big stories as long as you allow people to know that this stuff is existing. Allow people to be passionate soccer media okay they'll prove you right and they'll read your stuff and they'll share it and they'll be engaged in social media and this will help going forward grow like to use the u.s soccer term grow the game in the united states we've had too much entertainment tonight from soccer media and not enough uh you know, headline news um, and investigative reporting for sure. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing the effects of that uh, this week, that the more light uh, gets shed on and shine onto, to these issues, the more pressure uh, arises and changes start to happen. And, and my point in all this is that Carlos's resignation is not the end. It is the beginning. Uh, It's the first. It is the first of many things, I think, that need to continue. More resignations should follow. Um, If Cindy chooses not to resign, uh, then she needs to to, to lead lead and show that... Get out front and lead and show that she can lead um, and do it effectively. And and yep. and my and, and and my point to uh, all of this is this is not personal for me. This is not like Carlos is an evil guy. He's a bad guy. He had to go. This is not Cindy is 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 a bad person. Whatever she needs to go. 
Um, th- like, this is a situation where these these board members are in positions. I am I am looking at what they're doing, judging by their actions, judging by their job descriptions. Did you get the job done or not? It's not personal. It's it is a a an evaluation of the job performance, and and so for me, it, this has nothing to do with male female. Um, you know the name. Uh, behind the face or any of that it is all about did you get the job done did you not and if you didn't get the job done and you haven't been getting the job done then i think you need to resign because you're not serving the federation uh if you if you're going to refuse to resign and the board doesn't remove you and until such a time that you can be removed or voted out then you need to take that opportunity to change everyone else's mind to say look i made mistakes in the past i didn't get the job done I acknowledge that, but here's how we're going to go forward, and I'm going to make sure that w- what you see in the future doesn't look like what you've seen so far, and 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 that is your road to redemption, and they all have this road to redemption um, if they choose to take it. But otherwise, I think I think other heads need to roll uh, on the on the board, and just to me, the media pressure is is key and critical in in that happening. Um, you know, as we go forward. So something that you like what you're, what you're touching on here, this road to redemption, media pressure also does another thing. Okay. One other thing we've talked about it for years, this uh, culture of fear that previously existed. You should be more scared of the media now than any body on the board or any person. And the, the, the pushback that you'll receive because that used to be what people were scared of. Now you can be tagged. You know, you can have your career ruined because this is who you, you are. This will be what you're, when they Google you, it will be because you were on the board of us soccer when they decided to argue that women were inferior to men. I mean, that's, that's that's literally you're on the board while that happened. Which are you more scared of? Are you going to come out and say, "Hey, just like you said," and fix all this and admit that you weren't doing your job and you know dedicate your career going forward to fixing that? Or are you still going to be scared of what made you scared to speak up before and what made you scared to not try to change things before? Which one are you more scared of? Right. I mean, if, if the fear of culture is that deep and it's that ingrained and you're that worried about keeping your little bit of power, you know, or your lot of power, really, because people kind of don't really understand that every member of the board of U.S. soccer has the same exact amount of voting power. The president isn't more powerful than the head of, you know, the youth council. You have the same exact amount of votes. You can bring the same, you can bring things to the board to vote on. Like, it's not just the president. You know, hopefully the media stays on this. It stays calling for resignation, stays calling for change, stays on people, stays on them. This is the real pressure that these people need to be under, and this is what they should be fearful of, is is the, the actual people who you affect in the game standing up to mismanagement and misconduct and neglect 
when 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 you look at our country and uh, for, for people to just wrap your heads around why why you and I uh, and others are continuing to, to, to look at this and build pressure upon the board for resignations and others to be accountable. If you look at the country uh, of the United States, we don't just elect a president every you know four years of the country. Um, with the president comes in a staff. And, you know, they'll have a chief of staff and then they'll have appointees throughout the government. They'll even bring in their own vice president. Um, but it's a it's a whole new, um, you know, I'm going to use the word regime, even though that's not necessarily a democratic word here. But to, 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 you get the picture here that you, you bring in a whole team of people and that regardless of whether you're a Republican, a Democrat in favor, not in favor of, you know, Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, doesn't matter. Anytime they come in, they bring their own people. And that changes the culture of the White House. It changes the culture of the government, at least for the time that they're in charge until a new president is elected and they bring in their staff. To think, and I'm making this point for a reason, to think that one person by themselves is responsible for the culture of the board and by removing one person automatically changes the culture of the board is naive. That is why it is so imperative that Taylor Twellman, Meg Linehan, um, and others, Grant Wall, continue to, to join in this, uh, you know, media pressure and scrutiny on the board because the culture, in order for it to change, more people need to be off the board. It doesn't mean every single person has to resign to, to begin to change culture, but to think that one person uh, who, who in Carlos Cordero was, was well known to, to not be, um, you know, like Sunil, he was, he was, he was not somebody that was very dictatorial in his uh, attempt to lead. Um, and so it's not as if you're removing this big personality and no one was able to do anything. No one was able to breathe as Carlos was president. I don't think he, he led well, and that's well documented. But I don't think that removing him is is going to fix everything or clean up everything or is the solution here in and of itself. It's the first step. But more changes need to come, just like when we change out a president of this country. Other board members need to rotate out as well in order for all of us to see that real change is actually on the way. And 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 I think that that um, the board members that remain need to take a serious look in the mirror and decide, um, you know, I, I didn't do good enough and, and someone else needs to take this spot. Or if they decide, you know, I'm not going to give this up. I'm going to fight on. Then you need to, you, you need to start to show and prove that you're worthy of reconsideration uh, from resignation in my view, uh, because right now this one move is not enough and we need more in order to have sustained change uh, and culture within the board. We saw at the AGM, the membership are not uh, happy with where the board is and the direction of the board. 
and uh, just swapping out a figurehead at this point is not enough. We have to see action to, to, to see that things are really changing and really going in a different direction. So, Chris, thanks, <clears throat> thanks for coming on the show this morning. Um, coming up after the break, uh, we will have uh, Cardiff Carishner joining us and to give his thoughts. Uh, two days in a row, uh, we've had a, an extended show, and uh, there's just been so much going on, so much to cover. Uh, yesterday, uh, a couple hours, going through like where we are in this, this whole case, and Carlos needs to step down, and we need new leadership, and other board members need to stand up and be accountable, and we started to see a little bit of that process, um, and, and now today, we're going to have another extended show here uh, with Cardiff, Cardiff coming up after the break to dig into to more of this as well. So, Chris, thanks for jumping on here in, in what is essentially uh, the first hour uh, of today's show and uh, and providing your thoughts uh, and insights and uh, keep up the great work. All right. Thanks. Well, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. That is Chris Kessel uh, at the Chris Kessel on Twitter. He's uh, very involved in the state of West Virginia and a big advocate for U.S. soccer reform. And we need more like him. Uh, you can see that when people uh, are passionate and and able to to really um, you know dig in to issues and, and and help you know raise alarm, we can actually see change happen. And uh, Chris and I have been talking about this for years. It is nice to see some some positive momentum here in movement but it's not over we're just getting started and uh, speaking of just getting started if you haven't gotten started you need to get started by going to ducticbrand.com today d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com get started by placing an order for your next journal there's never a better time than right now where so many clubs are in hiatus to restock on resources and when you do get dw uh, get a use promo code dw show to get 10 percent off of your order and uh and 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 get those notebooks in and get prep for the the next uh part of your season when everything gets to come back after the coronavirus uh you know pause and outbreak um that so many uh clubs and state associations are are under for the next few weeks so now's uh, as good a time as ever to to do that so take advantage of it today at ductickbrand.com we'll be right back with cardic right after this
back into the show. Thanks for tuning in today. A lot happening in the world of American soccer over the last few days. And uh, wanted to have on a friend of the show and uh, a friend of mine. Uh, and welcome back to the show, uh, Kardik Christianer. Kardik, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Daniel. Um, it's a really weird time when we talk about coronavirus the last 72 hours and, and uh then U.S. soccer, I mean, almost concurrently, these two huge stories in the world uh, and in the world of soccer, coronavirus have such an impact on the world of soccer also taking place. And it's it, it's uh, I would say one of the most surreal 72 hours that I can remember. Then. It, it, it is it is quite bizarre. I mean, talks of moving uh, Euro uh 2020 back to 2021 trying to figure out how to finish domestic leagues you have mls and usl putting their seasons on hold um which is something that you know i would love to see continue that hold for a little bit longer so that they just go hey let's just go fall to spring and uh and start this thing in august and take a winter break and come back and finish that thing in may and and on the rest of uh, you know, primary North American calendars that we see everywhere else. Um, so, you know, look, that may not be a bad thing in the end if, if we could get a long enough delay. And maybe that's just my pipe dream. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I could see that being a good thing coming out of it. But uh, with all of the coronavirus stuff going on, uh, and at the same time, there's been just kind of a, a hurricane, a tornado just ripping through American soccer over the last few days. Uh, you and I both from uh, hurricane country, um, you know, we know full well the effects of, of these severe storms and we have seen a, a press media storm swirling through uh, U.S. Soccer HQ and at the board level. And uh, last night we saw um, the, the first kind of domino to fall after the public pressure from sponsors uh, over the revelations of these just disgusting and despicable comments uh, in the U.S. Women's National Team case uh, filed by the U.S. Soccer Federation. And uh, the first victim in this whole scenario was Carlos Cordero himself, the president of U.S. Soccer No More, uh, offering his resignation uh, resignation effective immediately. What were your thoughts when that news came over the wire? Yeah, so it came over last night, and, and it came over at a strange time because uh, we had just been dealing with uh, learning that Mikel Arteta, uh, Arsenal's manager, former great Everton and Arsenal player, had tested positive for coronavirus. Then uh, an hour later, we learned about Pablo Dybala, one of the really great attacking players in world football right now, testing positive. Um, and then this Cordero news kind of just got sandwiched between uh, then Callum Hudson and Boy, obviously the, 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 the promising England and Chelsea winger. Testing positive for coronavirus. So it was like, I, I wasn't expecting it. I was focused on which player was going to test positive next for coronavirus. Um, and it was with immediate effect. Uh, he tweeted it out, Cordero. And it seemed like the, the statement that we had seen from Volkswagen earlier in the day, right? We saw that statement, what, around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock Eastern time um, on Thursday began to really move the needle. Coca-Cola apparently had some influence um, the previous day on Cordero putting out the statement that had been read on air at the end or toward the end of the Chief Leaves Cup match between the U.S. and Japan um, that Seb Salazar was handed. He read it. Julie Foudy reacted angrily. Now, 
um, what seemed to me to be, be very obvious, Daniel, is that uh, Cordero had been cut loose from his board uh, by the time that game took place last night, or two nights ago. Uh, that, that match was Wednesday night, yeah. So uh, two, two days ago, um, there was a uh, there was this this situation where you could see already the moving parts. There had been so much criticism of U.S. soccer since we saw it. got our first peek at the legal briefs earlier in the week. Um, the thing, though, that I find most interesting is I think the haste and speed this took place at, and 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 there's a lot of people now closing ranks saying sponsorship pressure. Uh, this is this is uh, how it worked. I think there also was a an element of people on the board and people who've been involved in the sport longer than Carlos Cordero, people who've been involved in U.S. soccer longer than Carlos Cordero, maybe wanting to pass the buck and maybe wanting to pin this on him for various reasons, that not only to protect their own interests and and, and um, culpability in this, but also quite frankly because I, I think. We're now over two years into Cordero's uh, regime, Daniel, and I, and I have to say, while I, I have not been a fan of his, I do not necessarily have the animus for him that I do for some of the other people that have been around the U.S. soccer, because I, I think genuinely he needed to have the opportunity to cl- clear the deck and then maybe build his own, own uh, his own philosophy around how he wanted the organization to look. He never quite got that opportunity, I and mean, we might get into more of why and so i'm not sure really him leaving accomplishes anything in fact i i'm a little concerned um i think there's a chance it could be a step back which i know it's going to shock a lot of people but I, I'm, I'm I, I, I agree with you, Karnick. I agree with you on that point, because when you look at the, the issues, the underlying issues in, in the legal briefs, the way the Federation has been run, you have to look at the predecessor, not just Carlos. This stuff began before Carlos became president. Now, he was vice president. President, and before that independent director, which is why when he ran around in 2017 uh, and 2018 running for, for president, trying to claim to be an outsider, um, w- was a head scratcher in and of itself. And the fact that you know, we, we finally started to see yesterday athlete council members uh, with mea culpa saying, I, I got fooled in this and, and made mistakes. Um, I mean, what? You know, part of me is like, well, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, the guy had been an insider for over a decade and it served as vice president. Now he's taking over as president and he's going to be an, an outsider. Um, and, and you know, uh, looking at the, the situation, the environment, the culture, um, this was not a, a culture created by Carlos the pro the, the the issue for Carlos is that he he said a bunch of things running for president didn't follow through with them as president in order to clean up things to a level where the federation was going in the right direction instead it was continuing to get worse that is ultimately what was his downfall um not that he necessarily created it he just never cleaned up the mess and the mess it has to be said the mess was created the culture was created with sunil gulati 
and Don Garber, who are both still in the board meetings. Sunil is past president and Don Garber as a board member who, by the way, makes millions of dollars off of his contract with U.S. Soccer each and every year. So you want to know where the culture is shaped, where the environment has been shaped, what has been going on for so long. It starts with those two. And Cindy Cohn, who has, who has been, you know, uh, gone from winning a four-year term as vice president just, you know, four weeks ago in Nashville at the AGM. And I was there. And she won the election, hands down. Four weeks later, she has been thrust in into the role as as interim president of the federation until the presidential election uh next year in atlanta georgia at the next agm in 2021 and she too herself has been on the board for years and has served as vice president for over a year so she is not an insider now she has an opportunity uh with a with a you know um a clean slate here as as stepping into the president role she has an opportunity for redemption to say i am not carlos and i am not sunil and i'm going to clean this up and if she follows through with that and she starts to actually uh clean up some of these issues and really pushes uh forward on uh proactive reforms that start to to heal the the soccer problems in this country then kudos to her and you know what we'll be fine and and we will support her completely but uh, until we see those actions we have to be skeptical of everyone on that board especially Sunil and Don who have created this culture but the truth is that that Carlos in this situation uh, in my opinion looking at everything that came out last night is 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 being set up as the scapegoat so that others can can all just you know it's like a Julius Caesar moment in Rome and and we're just going to throw all of our daggers at him don't anybody look at us we had no idea this was going on for months wink wink nod nod we had no idea being on the board for years that this was going on don't look at us and and if you didn't know for me that is an admission of guilt in and of itself because you're job as a member of the board of directors is to serve as a guardrail for that organization and when you're on that board and you don't know what i mean this is not like a uh, let's decide um you know if 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 this referee is going to be reinstated in in you know such and such county in in backwoods you know state southern state like this is not some little small meat and potatoes situation where you're trying to figure out like you know uh what's going on what's the details well i wouldn't know that i'm on the board i mean that's like so it far removed from me like i would know that's not this situation this situation is the most profile of all the legal challenges the most high profile case and the the interim president the rest of the board have all said that they are disgusted with the comments and these tactics where were you 
where were you in in all of this time in terms of doing your fiduciary duties you know you're culpable there on some level it's not just carlos the whole board has this job not just the president and and so can cindy you know right the ship can she turn things around can she start to work on enacting you know reforms and cleaning up the culture and minimizing the negative influences and effects of don garber and sunil galati on that board she has every opportunity to do so because she is now the interim president but she along with everyone else on that board have some uh share level of responsibility with Carlos for what has taken place so far. When you see this, what, what are you, how do you read the board and, and their culpability and their responsibility to step up and, and share some of the blame, if not as much blame as Carlos? Oh, I, I think they have as much blame as, as, as he does. Now, he's the face. He's very much the figurehead uh, at the top of U.S. soccer. He's the public face. But I, I think a lot of these things uh, have gone on um, with the board's consent. The one thing, you know, we said that he hasn't done a whole lot and he hasn't changed a whole lot. One thing that Cordero has changed, um, at least internally from my understanding, is one of the criticisms of Sunil Galati was that he would pick up the phone in the morning, he called Don Garver, they'd, they'd hatch, you know, whatever they were doing, they'd maybe let Dan Flynn in on it, and then that would be that would be it, right? And, and, the, and then they would do it, and then they would present it to the board. In the case of Cordero, my understanding is he brings things to the board. He's very much got the board more, if not involved, certainly more informed about what's going on than what was happening during Sunil Gulati's tenure. So that's that's one thing, and that 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 shows, I, I think, or demonstrates that they are, are are more culpable than they might be leading on to. I think there are a couple other things that I'm concerned about here. Uh, Cindy Cohn, Cindy Parlo Cohn, we do not know her <coughs> relationship with certain agencies. We don't know uh, how she feels about Soccer United marketing. Uh, now, Carlos Cordero admittedly hadn't done anything about Soccer United marketing. However, we do have him on record making very critical comments about them when he was running for president. And the TV deal uh, involving U.S. soccer and uh, soccer United Marketing and Major League Soccer, it, it's still the same deal that had been negotiated by Sunil Gulati and had been papered over weeks before Suma, Sunil Gulati handed the presidency over to Carlos Cordero, so he didn't leave it in Cordero's hands in case Cordero wasn't on board with it. So uh, the reality is Cordero has never had an actual opportunity to deal with the Soccer United Marketing issue. I had a sense that maybe I was getting a sense recently um, and I, by recently, I mean in the last couple of months, that he that there might be a move from Cordero and um, his allies to split the deal in 2022. To split, uh, say, okay, Soccer United Marketing can represent us. They can go. They, they they can be uh, they can be the marketing agency. They can be the, um, the 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 media partner. However, they need to split the contract. So they will negotiate a separate deal for the U.S. men and women than they do for. Major League Soccer. Um, I, I, I don't particularly like some being involved as the marketing agency or the media um, agency for uh, U.S. soccer at all, but I, I certainly would take them in that circumstance better than bundling with MLS. For sure, for sure. MLS, yeah, is where all the, a lot of the conflicts come in. So I was beginning to get a sense that, that Cordero might 
say to Garver, hey, okay, we're going to keep you guys on board. We're going to keep this little incestuous thing going, but we need to we need to split the deal so that it looks a little better. Uh, so now, uh, you know, that's in Cindy Parlo Cohn's uh, uh, or whoever the next uh, permanent president is. It's in their it's in it's in their purview. And then the other thing was the NWSL TV deal. We know that there's been an ongoing back and forth between NWSL and U.S. Soccer. They extended their relationship for just one season. NWSL now, thankfully, uh, through the through Oct- the Octagon Agency. I know Soccer United Marketing had tried to get their hands on NWSL. They had worked last year. They had they had some had actually done the deal with them for ESPN. And um, the owners in the women's league, particularly the independent owners, so I think this is pretty significant. Um, Merritt Paulson, obviously, is an owner of that league. Uh, or Orlando De Silva is an owner of that league. But there are a number of NWSL clubs, as you know, that are not owned by MLS owners or USL owners. And it was those owners who pushed the league to go and make an independent deal with another media agency, Octagon, instead of going with Soccer United Marketing. Um, and lo and behold, Octagon has gotten NWSL on CBS. Uh, their NWSL championship game will be over the air this year on CBS. I'm not even sure if MLS Cup is over the year. Some years it is, I guess. Some years it isn't. Uh, but um, NWSL Final will actually be over the year this year on, on CBS, and, and they're going to have a couple other games on network television. So uh, that's a great deal for the league. I'm thankful that deal it, that deal just got done this week. I'm thankful that deal got done, Daniel, because I'm thinking if this is what we, we suspect it might be, which is Sunil Gulati and Don Garber uh, reconsolidating some degree of control over the direction of U.S. soccer, I think what would have happened is NWSL would have been thrown back into some clutches, and, and uh, you might have seen some more, um, maybe an extension of... Uh, uh, of, of the NWSL relationship with U.S. soccer, although I think that is still tied to the next collective bargaining agreement, which um, it's going to be difficult to do now after all of this stuff is out there. You can say, well, maybe uh, now that Cindy Coney is the president, the interim president, the acting president, that there will be a uh, uh, a come to Jesus moment and the women, uh, the women's national team players, and the critics of U.S. soccer on this particular lawsuit are going to—they're um, going, they're going to meet somewhere in the middle and do a deal. But the thing is, those deposit—that that, that legal brief is still out there. That still happened. The women's national team players were still demeaned beyond any sort of um, anything even semi-respectable in the way that U.S. soccer handled this, both from legal perspective and from a PR perspective. So I don't think that's going to be that easy to do. And I'm not sure that that CBA gets done very easily this time. And, and um, I know as, as a unit, um, the women's national team speaks as a unit. Megan Rapino has very much become their, their, their spokesperson uh, on the outside. I will tell you internally, different players have different opinions. And there are some players that... Um, still have some sort of, you know, although they, I think they've all been humiliated in the process of what's happened, uh, what came out earlier in the week, but um, still had some feeling of, of uh, uh, reverence and deference to U.S. soccer for everything they've done previously for, for, for women's uh, soccer. There are others who are much more militant, who uh, I do not think are going to accept anything that, that uh, doesn't, uh, uh, they're not going to meet U.S. soccer halfway. So, uh, is what I'm trying to say. So even though there's a very, very kind of unified 
uh, unit look at the U.S. women's national team, I think uh, there are some uh, uh, of our players that are more militant than others. And Daniel, I will say, during the course of this process, you went from having, I, uh, and I don't want to get too deep into which players are in which camp, but I will say the Becky Sauerbrunn was in the kind of more moderate camp, uh, right? And Carly Lloyd was kind of in the more militant camp, if you will. I think there are more people, more players, and I would say it was kind of split when this whole thing started. It was kind of split when uh, Cordero got elected and the Athletes Council went with Cordero, right? Um, and you had, at the time, Heather O'Reilly, who was an active women's player on, on that uh, uh, Athletes Council, and Angela Hukulis and some other former women's players that were on there. Um, I would say now there are more people in that more militant camp. Um, not the whole team. Like I said, they're splits. But I think they're more in that more militant camp. I don't think Cindy Cohn becoming the president or the acting president necessarily is going to dial that back. So, um, yeah, I think there's more choppy waters ahead on, on all this stuff. To pick up on that, you know, point of looking at this from a process standpoint, who was involved, the timing, uh, there's there's some suspicious things going on as well. Um, I Learning yesterday that uh, after the AGM in Nashville... Alec Papadakis was removed from the the board of directors at U.S. Soccer and replaced by Stephen Malik, a former uh, board member, and uh, he is also the current employer of Cindy Cohn, the now president of the Federation. And uh, this happened a few weeks ago. not many people knew about it. I didn't even know about it until yesterday uh, and when I got word uh, that this had, had taken place. So there's some very suspicious timing looking at this AGM and, and Alec Papadakis uh, serving on the board through the AGM and then right after that is taken out uh, of his board seat and replaced by Stephen Malik. And, uh, and now Cindy Cohn, just a few weeks later, is, is now been you know, promoted to interim president with Carlos Cordero stepping down. And it kind of goes back to this scapegoat uh, scenario where it looks like uh, this, this whole move on Carlos might have been uh, orchestrated. The, the, the media pressure and the media buildup, uh, even the article from Grant Wall, there's been some accusations that he may have been tipped off uh, that that the board was looking to to get Carlos uh, to resign to get out of the way, and uh, and that that's why he ended up writing the article in the first place uh, because he knew that there was a, a move afoot. Um, what are your thoughts on all on all this? Because this is this is a little bit um, concerning. Uh, the more we learn about some of this process going on with the AGM into the the board seat change that that new board member being the employer of Cindy Cohn, the now interim president, and now seeing Carlos uh, resign last night, uh, and, and, and everyone trying to pile on him uh, as if he was the lone actor, the lone wolf in this scenario, which we've already talked about is not the case. Um, you know, what are your thoughts at, at, at how these dots are, to me, at, at the very least, um, concerning, if not suspicious? And 
I um I thought it was a pretty telling move a year ago, or um, however long ago it was now. I think it was maybe about yeah, it must have been a year ago uh, at the AGM uh, in in. Uh, in 2019, which I know you were at, that uh, when Alec Papadakis was put on the board uh, of U.S. Soccer, or maybe it was the next board meeting when he was put on, but I thought it was pretty telling that uh, that Cordero put Papadakis on the board because I know uh, from my own reporting that it was uh, something that Don Garber had in the past not been in favor of. Was uh, was Cordero? Uh, was excuse me? Was Papadakis having uh, too much influence being? Uh, on the pro council and being on the board of uh, governors being also uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a difficult person in, 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 in his boardroom machinations. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a very, very tough um, kind of well-versed real estate patent type attorney, uh, Alec Papadakis. And, and uh, obviously he's the owner of USL which is how he's in all of this, but that there had always been some concern by, from Don Garber from MLS uh, about Papadakis being on the board. Uh, Malik uh, has uh, made an alliance of, uh, as of 2017, and we've heard Rocco Camiso speak a lot about this. Uh, Malik had evidently made an alliance with U.S. soccer and with MLS. Now, he's not getting an MLS expansion franchise. Now, I thought that was part of the premise, right, that, that – he would bring an MLS team to, to, to the Raleigh-Durham area. Uh, he does have an NWSL team, though. It's uh, the champions, right? The, the team that's been uh, so dominant in, in uh, women's soccer over the course of the last four years and maybe the best, best women's club soccer team in the world, uh, up there with Olympic Leone and, uh, and Chelsea, Manchester City, a couple of the other really good ones. Um, but I think this is very suspicious, especially now that we know the timing and we know that there's we, we, I, I shouldn't say we know. We, we know the timing and that we suspect there was some sort of move maybe made against Cordero uh, weeks after this happened. Now, we did not know about this happening until last night, uh, which you were at the AGM four weeks ago, Daniel. Uh, you never, uh, at the time, Papadakis was still on the board. The change happened sometime between that um, AGM and the events of this week that Malik was put back on the board. And it's also very interesting. They reached back and brought Malik back on the board and they just go and find another um, owner of a professional team somewhere in MLS or USL. They, they went back to this, 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 um, this person who I think um, was uh, in their camp. Certainly we've heard uh, uh, allegations that he was in their camp and that also probably was supporting Kathy Carter for president last time. And I don't want to, you know, the, tonight, tonight's not the night tomorrow. Today's not the day to get into it, Daniel, but maybe next time as the dust settles from what happened last night and what's happened the last week, uh, we can get back into the whole Carter versus Cordero aspect of the race from two years ago and realize that maybe some of the people who were initially with Kathy Carter were never really on board with Cordero. And, they had been scheming against him the whole time. So I, I, I suspect Malik may be in that camp. And if he was, and, and there's some connection here, then I think we all have more questions to ask about this. Uh, I, again, I'm not making excuses for Cordero. I, I think he did a lousy job. I think he didn't uh, uh, live up to the potential he had in this, in this office. He did not uh, 
uh, keep the promises he had made during the campaign to get elected. Uh, however, there is, to me, no doubt whatsoever that uh, that most of these problems, most of the things that are being pinned on him, most of the things that the public now blames Carlos Cordero for are not, in fact, his fault, but are the fault of others and of others that may. And again, I, I stress may, and I know you're stressing may also, Daniel, may be benefiting from what happened last night when he stepped aside. Well, I mean, it is if you if you wanted to be a conspiracy theorist and walk this thing back to 2018 um, and you and you you knew that at the time Don was back in Kathy and right. um, you know she was the the president of soccer United marketing uh, and and she she was you know running uh, with Cordero and then you know you had Eric and hope and and the other uh, candidates that were also running the the Kathy Carter situation after the first couple rounds and she it's obvious I, I knew that she had no chance to win and I I told people she has a ceiling it's about 35 percent here's where it's going to come from and she's not going to get anything else that the the real candidate that to watch out for was Carlos he was going to be the fallback option. He was never going to be Don's first choice, but he was going to go there before he went anywhere else. And ultimately, Don saw after a couple of rounds, it's not going to happen. And he turned, he told Kathy, and I, I had people witness this. He told Kathy, sorry, I'm pulling my support. I'm going with Carlos. Carlos gets over the finish line, was never Don's first choice. And you look at how things have played out since and and you know some of this uh carlos you know didn't necessarily make the mess but he as i said earlier he didn't clean up the mess either and uh and for that you know the, the pressure got to a point to where you know he felt like he needed to resign and he needed to get out of the way but then you look at from a conspiracy standpoint, you start looking at like connecting these dots. Well, if, if Don was, was not a fan of Carlos, if, uh, rumors that I heard at the AGM, I don't know if you've heard all these rumors, but, uh, about, you know, soccer United marketing and the possible rebidding or, or going somewhere else in 2022, we're swirling yeah. around. Um, and, and, and as I said earlier, Daniel, the, at the very least, I was pretty convinced Carlos was going to say, Okay, Don, maybe we'll keep some, but we're splitting it from the MLS contract. And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't like some representing U.S. soccer, but I think most of the damage is done by the bundle. So I think at the very least, Carlos is going to try and break that bundle, which is a direct threat to Garber's livelihood, right? Right. That's and and, and, and Garber was not going to stand for that. And and so in, in true cartel fashion, it... it it appears as though there was a series of moves at this point that have led to Carlos stepping down, all of the pressure being put on him, him being uh, set up as the, as the fall guy, as the scapegoat. And weeks before all of this goes down, Cindy Cohn's employer is reinstated to the board and, and Carlos steps down in, in, in under all of this heap of pressure of the last few days and now she is is president now i'm not saying that that she set all this up i'm not saying that uh 
you know, that there was a, a, a full out conspiracy to pull this off. What I'm saying is there are troubling um, facts here that need to be uh, examined. And the situation uh, needs uh, more light shed on it. And I think Cindy herself um, needs to answer at the very least for what did she know and when did she know it when it comes to the legal briefs as president and being on that board for years um you know to say that you just figured this thing out or found out a few days ago and somehow that means you're blameless is it's not good enough for me and that's not personal it's just it's just a fact i mean you have a job to do and it hasn't been done um and and now we're hearing and seeing some of these other really you know conspicuous things going on and it makes you even more concerned about what What's really going on here? Um, like I said before, I hope um, that she has all the best intentions and she's going to clean things up. And that, and that includes Don and Sunil as the two chief uh, issues she's got to deal with. Um, but there's some curious moves going on that need to be followed. And I think there needs to be more pressure and intense scrutiny on all of the board members uh, as, as to what did they know? When did they know it? And why have they um, not offered resignations for not uh, doing their job to uh, ensure that the Federation wa- was operating in a banner- better manner? Um, you know, a- as we kind of come to a close here um, and looking at where we are and looking at uh, what's to come and, and, and what's possible, what do you see over the next? you know a few days and weeks we've got it we've got nothing going on on the field around the world so uh there to me this is just more time to dig into u.s soccer governance uh what's really going on uh media pressure and scrutiny what did the board know what did the athlete council members know um and and really dig into what's going on and 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 ultimately where we're going to go and i wanted to get your thoughts uh on that uh as we look ahead for these next few days and weeks yeah so as as football winds down in europe because of coronavirus we're not going to have uh competitive games i think from very many competitive games in Europe for the next 60 days, which, and this is the heart of the European football season. This is when uh, people domestically tend to not pay attention to major league soccer, U S soccer or uh, USL. And they re-engage during the summer uh, because they're watching the Premier league or Bundesliga or Serie A, La Liga. They're not going to be doing that in the next, uh, next few weeks. So this now becomes a pressure cooker for U S soccer. Uh, and, there will be look. There will be cosmetic efforts, I think, in the governance to prop up this change and basically pin everything on Cordero and say uh, we've now moved on. There is no. Uh, and I know I, I noticed that Taylor Twelman last night was beating the drum of uh, we did. There need to be more changes. This is just the beginning, but he seems to be almost alone among media members saying that. Well, I think Hercules Gomez was also saying it, but I. There's also this divide between people who are on ESPN who are very aggressive, like Twelman and, and, and Gomez, Seb Salazar, and then there's um, a cadre of other media members who now will probably close ranks, let's be honest. So um, my concern is they all close ranks at this point. I, I think uh, you, you said you, you asked the question earlier, would Cindy Cohen be more 
favorable uh, to to Sunil and Don than uh, Cordero was. I think that that's probably obviously a yes. Um, unfortunately, now, I hope I'm proven wrong with that, but I, I certainly know that there was a lot of tension between Cordero and Gulati. And uh, as you just mentioned, and I, I, I teased a little earlier, I added a little more context to that. With the Soccer United marketing U.S. soccer agreement, there was more and more talk in the last uh, couple months that, that Cordero was going to make some sort of move uh, to, uh, to loosen the relationship, maybe not terminate the relationship, although there were some rumors of that, too. Uh, but um, certainly, I, I think at the very least, he was going to try and maneuver a better deal for U.S. soccer and a, and a less good deal for MLS. So uh, that was obviously something we know Garber was not going to tolerate. And he has the ability within the game in this country because of uh, the passivity of a lot of the media in covering this and because of uh, the number of MLS fans uh, out there that enable this sort of behavior. He has the ability to rearrange the uh, the uh, the chess pieces. We know this about Garber and, and about MLS and Soccer United Marketing. So I, I think the most important piece they needed to remove was Cordero. Now, the question is, do they have someone that they, is Cindy Cohn their person, or are they going to need to put someone, after her tenure as acting president is up, put someone else in there that they can they can control and that they can make sure that deal in 2022 uh, is the deal they want done, the bundle deal that they want to protect. I think, I think a lot of it comes back to that. And uh, Cordero was, Cordero wasn't going to blow it up the way Eric Ronaldo was going to blow it up or Kyle Martino had promised to blow it up or a number of other candidates, Steve Gans also. Uh, but he certainly wasn't, Going, it, it appeared, and I think you, you agree with this, Andrew. It, it appeared at the, at the last few months he was not going to just rubber stamp another deal like the one that, that Sunil had, had gotten U.S. soccer into. Um, so, I, 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 if you're thinking about it from that perspective and you're Don Garber, yeah, you, you see that there's a PR, uh, a clumsy PR move by U.S. soccer, you're going to pounce. The fact that Major League Soccer put out a statement on this shocked me at first and then i thought about it and i was like oh well yeah this must be garber trying to play against cordero now that was wednesday i did not expect by thursday night uh cordero would be um would be forced out no actually let, let me let me correct myself that was thursday morning garber put out that statement and then thursday night last night is when cordero resigned so um i uh I kind of realized it was a shot at Cordero, but I did not know that there was a move afoot to, uh, to oust him. Now, you know, what you said about the Grant Wall article, that also was timed around the same time. Some of these comments from U.S. soccer sponsors were timed around the same time. Um, you know, it could be all perfectly innocent. It could be everyone was outraged by Cordero, and he, they felt like he was a problem for the image of the organization they had to get rid of him. Or... I think more likely there are these other things going on and they felt like he was an obstacle to them um, maintaining the, the tight grip on um, all of the, um, the spoils that come with them controlling U.S. soccer and therefore he needed to be eliminated before um, he made a move on that. Which includes also staff because he's getting, he would have gotten to hire um, the next uh, set of important staff people with Jay Berhalter and Dan Flynn leaving the organization. So um, they also have denied 
Cordero the ability to do that. And maybe now they control the sapphire in the process. Maybe that's something we look for in the next uh, 30 days or so. And uh, the next time I join you, Daniel, we'll be talking about that. Well, they were able to elbow out Cordero in time to where they could control that process. I, you know, I don't know, but the more I look at this whole situation, I'm glad Cordero resigned because we were not going in the right direction. I mean, you know, nothing personal against the guy. He wasn't getting it cleaned up uh, and he wasn't getting it fixed. He wasn't leading well enough. Um, at the same time, as I said before, it, it did not begin with him. It will not end with him. And we should continue to, to place the same level of intense scrutiny and pressure on the remaining board members, because as I look at this board, um, they are all culpable and we're not cleaning this thing up by keeping the same people in charge. And, you know, that might mean that Cindy Cohn and some others are collateral damage. Maybe they intend to do the right thing. Maybe they mean well. Maybe these members of the athlete council that are that are also on the board of directors mean well. However, when you look at where all of this is and everything that's going on, I can't help but look at our our board of directors and go, it might just be time to clean the whole slate, start over, and 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 build again in terms of a board of directors to at least give ourselves a chance at righting some wrongs, creating a new culture, and cleaning the slate. So, um, you know, obviously, like you, we'll keep our eyes focused on where this is going, where these hires are going to, to end up. But uh, this was this was one step of what should be many to come. I think more resignation should be offered, and I think more board members, if not resigned, should be forced out. Don Garber and Sunil Galati, chief among them. Uh, but looking at where we are it's curious the moves that have taken place over the last few weeks to get us here and uh and 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 that um is something that i think we've got to keep a really really close eye on going forward so uh cardic thanks for joining the show as always we, we always appreciate your time we will definitely have back on again soon i i have a feeling with no uh no, nothing going uh on on the field over the next few weeks uh we're gonna have a lot more time to get into some of these governance issues uh and and i i uh suspect we'll have uh some more details to come to to dig into vic, uh, very very soon so thanks for joining the show uh as always and uh we really appreciate your time Great. Thank you as always, Daniel. Keep up the good work. Thank you. That is Carter Krishner. And um, look, it's it's a strange world we're living in here in uh, in the real world and in the soccer world. And we've got to keep our eyes on what's going on. There are some very curious things going on, and only time will tell how these things shake shape up and uh, and how they uh, how they fall out but we've we've got to, to keep our eyes and our focus and our pressure to get this fixed once and for all we'll be right back after this
no one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the lives of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. In the last couple of days, we've had uh, special editions of the show where we've gone uh, extended time, uh, two hours, both days, yesterday and today. But uh, just felt like there was just so much to cover and, and not enough time to get it in in an hour. And a uh, big thank you yesterday to Sky Eddie Bruce, uh, as, as well as Anthony DeChico, and today uh, with Chris Kessel and Cardiff Karishner going into where we are and what's going on. And um, yesterday I wrote something, and uh, I want to I want to kind of read this statement and and close the show with some uh, some final thoughts on on where we are, and uh, and also kind of uh, look a, a little bit to at, at uh, an article that came out from Caitlin Murray today, um, and and this uh, this. Statement that I released yesterday uh, was, was titled, A Note About the 2018 USSF Presidential Election and the Current WS, uh, uh, excuse me, USWNT Case, the U.S. Women's National Team Case. Um, I served as Eric Winalda's campaign manager during the 2018 United States Soccer Federation presidential election. He advocated for more than equal pay. He wanted and still does want equal treatment and opportunity for the U.S. Women's National Team. Our U.S. Women's National Team is the best of the best, and they deserve to be treated with dignity, respect, and honor. I spent hours upon hours with him, and it was almost an obsession. He advocated for a supportive and inclusive relationship with all of our national team players instead of the adversarial one we see on full display. Other candidates like Hope Solo warned of the div- d- uh, divisive nature and culture permeating the upper leadership levels of the Federation also. It's sad that this country went the other way. I have said it many times, but U.S. soccer serves the few at the expense of everyone else. This worldview has reared its ugly head in countless ways, including this most recent revelation of the disturbing and deplorable comments and legal tactics surrounding the U.S. Women's National Team case. The majority of those who were involved with the Federation Board and Athlete Council chose status quo. They went with Carlos Cordero. 
This decision may have benefited them personally, but it has led to more lawsuits, including more than $9 million in legal fees in 2019 alone. It has not led us to a more perfect union or any closer to becoming the preeminent sport in America. Enough is enough. The past is the past. We can't change it, but those in positions of influence and power have the opportunity to change the present and thus the future. Carlos Cordero should resign, and in in fact, we now know he has resigned and uh, or, or be removed from the board immediately. We know that that now he's resigned. This this uh, statement was released prior to Cordero's resignation. The other U.S. soccer board members may not have known, which is a problem, or worse, may have known ahead of time, which is a bigger problem. In either case, it is a failure of their fiduciary duties and a full dismissal of the entire U.S. Soccer Federation Board of Directors warrants serious consideration. We will not accomplish our mission without better leadership. What we see here is a pattern. It is a pattern of poor leadership. The latest revelations are symptomatic of systemic, cultural, and leadership problems. Those in positions of influence and and power have a responsibility to lead well and serve the game. Andy Stanley once said, leadership is a stewardship. It is temporary and you're accountable. All eyes are on you. As I look at where we are in the state of the Federation and the things that are going on at this present moment, I am more convinced than ever that Carlos Cordero's resignation was justified, but it should not be the last resignation. This culture, this toxic culture, has been in existence for a very long time. And when we look at things that have been taking place, like this case, these details and things surrounding the, this case have been in the public eye for a while. We've talked about it on today's show. Members of the board were well aware of tactics and other things, questions, that had, that had been going on. It had been covered before. I am glad that the media scrutiny and pressure increased to such a level this week that Cordero finally decided enough was enough and others began to speak up and speak out. I am glad for that. But it shouldn't stop there. And Caitlin Murray, in her, her piece that she released today, Uh, She said this, there was hope that with Cordero at the helm, that could start to change, meaning that that this this uh, progress and reform and all these efforts would start to change. In the past year, longtime CEO Dan Flynn stepped down, followed by string puller CMO Jay Burhalter. Kate Margraff, who hadn't been afraid to criticize the Federation in the past, was hired as the GM for women's programming. But since Cordero took over in 2018 for former President Sunil Gulati, who didn't run for re-election after the U.S. men failed to qualify for the World Cup, reforms have been slow and tepid. 
Cordero, as well-intentioned as he may have been, appeared too eager to defer to the expertise of the people around him. Many of the same people who had been at the Federation far too long and were resistant to change. Uh, picking up a little bit further down. Now, the VP candidate that sources say Cordero favored, Cindy Parlow Cohn, has abruptly been thrown into the president role. Parlow Cohn, a former U.S. women's national team midfielder, spoke out publicly against U.S. soccer's sexist legal strategy hours before Cordero resigned, calling it troubling. Now she'll be at the helm until February 2021 when someone else can be elected to take over Cordero's term, and she'll serve as U.S. soccer's first female president. There's not a question of Parlo Cohn's capabilities, but of how much she'll embrace the job at a time when the Federation lacks direction and leadership. The presidential position is unpaid, but heavily involved. Another sign that U.S. soccer has failed to evolve past its quaint beginnings, and the volunteer, volunteer VP role she signed up for was very much part-time. What U.S. soccer needs is a much larger overhaul. Heather O'Reilly, who was on the Athlete Council that voted for Cordero, said U.S. soccer should go through a, quote, lengthy process of reorganization. She's right, but the Federation has resisted it for this long. Why should anything change now? Maybe, just maybe, the situation is dire enough that now is the time for true reform and a shift in culture. After all, it's hard to imagine it can get any worse i would like to thank caitlin for for her post and her article there and i agree completely with her sentiments and we will get into more of that next week on the show but uh the the facts are that this is not over that the the fight to fix u.s soccer continues yes cordero resigned last night but others should follow suit as we've talked about today on the show they were all responsible and all culpable for all of these failures and failing to lead and it is not a good enough excuse to say you didn't know that is your very job so as we look into the future we need to see more action, more media pressure, continue to build, continue to rise. And I hope that we do, especially now that we don't have soccer on the field for a few weeks. There's never been a better time than for everyone to stare down and look at and look into and create even more pressure and scrutiny on what remains at U.S. Soccer House and especially at the board level. Thanks for watching the show. Thanks to Chris and Cardick for joining the show. As always, you can watch on VegaTV.com. And you can also watch on DanielWertman.com, Facebook.com forward slash WRKMN on Twitter. Catch me on Instagram or Twitter at Daniel Workman as well. Thanks for watching. We'll see everyone again next week.